0: On this episode of TR Talk,
1: one thing that's amazing as I get older is that every year I think I've got something figured out, and every year I look back and think like, "Holy, I didn't know anything! When am I going to know something? <laughs> right? Like, when am I yeah. finally going to learn something?" And I think you've heard that. Everyone's heard that over the years. You've heard, you know, older people say like, "The more that you learn, the more that you know that you don't know anything at all." And I'm living proof right. of that. And so uh, I've, you know, I'm obsessed with learning from. Virtual mentors and mentors in life, and uh, because uh, there, you know, we learn by failure. But as Warren Buffett says, it's better to learn from someone else's failure than your own failure. Hello,
0: good morning, and welcome to another episode of the TR Talk podcast. This is Tommy Tahoe Lemo alongside my good friend Ryan Warner, where we break down how millennials can fast track their personal development and kick ass in the real world on this week's episode we have an interview with David cancel the CEO of drift the former chief product officer at HubSpot and serial entrepreneur Uh, David is an absolute badass and he gets in and drops knowledge on how to become a learning machine how to find your ideal mentor and how and why he is so obsessed with his mission uh, this was a unique episode uh, where my good buddy Ryan was in Australia, so I took this one solo, so you will only hear my lovely voice, and you won't be bogged down with him during this interview. I want to give a quick shout-out to the TR Talk fans of the week, Chris and Denise Clark out from Braintree, Mass. Thank you guys so much for the support. Go Pats. If you'd like to support the TR Talk podcast, hit us up on the iTunes app, give us a five-star review, subscribe, share it out, tell someone about us. It would mean a lot if we provide any value in this interview. We we really hope you could take the two minutes to do that. 66 five-star reviews so far. We hope that you can be number 67. But now we're going to take you back to the streets of Boston, Massachusetts with our good friend, David Cancel. Enjoy. All right, David Cancel. Welcome to TR Talk, man. Thanks for joining the show.
1: Uh, thanks for being uh, letting me be on the show. I'm excited to talk to your audience today, and uh, I'm psyched just to get into it.
0: Cool, man. So, um, so let's let's dive right on into this thing. Um, we were just talking a second ago how um, you know Ryan and I have been you know, following a lot of what you and what Drift are doing, um, both on your podcast, which we can get into in a, in a minute and through some of your articles. But you know, one thing that's really, um, I think, is outstanding is how you promote being uh, what you would call a learning machine. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to kind of riff on that for a little bit on, on
1: what you think sure. that means. Sure thing. It's my obsession. So, you know, one thing that I figured out, I've been doing this a long time now, 20-something years in my career. And one thing that I figured out in retrospect, right, because it's, uh, most of the stuff we have to figure out by looking backwards is that the one thing that really motivated me and got me excited was being constantly challenged and constantly learning. And every time that I felt like making a change in my career was due to uh, the learning stopping. And, and then I've tested that over hundreds, if not thousands of people at this point. And I always ask them, you know, when I'm interviewing people, are they still learning where they are? And inevitably, if they're talking to me and they're looking for a new op, the answer is always no. And it's, that's a common thing. Like you need to be challenging, You need to be continually learning. And I think the other thing looking backwards now is that one thing that's amazing as I get older is that every year I think I've got something figured out. And every year I look back and think like, holy, I didn't know anything. When am I going to know something? <laughs> right? Like when am I yeah. finally going to learn something? And I think you've heard that. Everyone's heard that over the years. You've heard, you know, older people say like the more that you learn, the more that you know that you don't know anything at all. And I'm living proof yeah. of that. And so, uh, I've, you know, I'm obsessed with learning from virtual mentors and mentors in life. And, uh, because, uh, there, you know, we learn by failure, but as Warren Buffett says, it's better to learn from someone else's failure than your own failure. And, uh, and so I'm trying to live that. I'm trying to learn from others. And the thing that's the... The most important thing for everyone who works at my company, called Drift, is um, that they are what we call curious learning machines. Because uh, we we feel like it's not the smartest or the hardest working that usually wins. It's the person that continues to learn and progress and get better every day, and uh, and that's what we bet on.
0: That's awesome. And so you're, I mean, you're clearly a really busy guy. I mean, you're the CEO of you know a, a really hot company drift and and we can get into you guys a little bit, but like, how do you tactically fit in learning into your day?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I've architected. That's a great question because it's a hard one, right? It always, there's always something that competes with your time. I'd say first... Uh, if you were to really be honest with yourself and audit your day, you would find out that all of us, including myself, waste most of our days, right? Whether it's on Instagram or Twitter or YouTube or you know watching the ball game with your friends or whatever it is, you'll notice that you most of the day is actually, wasted, even though all of us would say, man, I don't have any time. I can't focus. I don't have time to do something. So first I'd say, start with an audit and audit yourself every day. And I, and I need to continually do that myself every day, right? Because we slip. And, um, and so I audit my day and then I create, I, I begin the day by being intentional. And I focus the one part of the day that I can always control, which is the morning, right? If I wake up early enough, and uh, and I wake up usually at 5, 5.30. My co-founder now wakes up at 4.30 a.m. after I sent him to spend time with Jocko Wilnick, who wrote Extreme Ownership. And um, yeah, so I sent him down there So for the boot camp, which is a whole other story. For the muster? Yeah, for the muster. He was down at the muster. and uh, And so he now wakes up since then. It's been probably nine months now, and he wakes up every day now at 4.30 a.m. And he is amazed by how much he's able to do. So I control the morning. I read and dedicate that time to learning through reading. And uh, and then any free time that I have, you know, like instead of watching TV shows or spending time on stuff like that, I learn from virtual mentors, whether they're Warren Buffett, Bezos, uh, Charlie Munger, you know, et cetera, et cetera, there's, there's so many. Uh, by listening to reading or listening to YouTube videos of talks that they've given and just constantly architect my, way, my life around learning. And then when it comes to work, we've architected at Drift uh, the entire culture around learning. And so we build all of our processes internally about getting stuff in the hands of customers as quickly as possible, whether that's on the sales side, marketing side, product side, every single uh, part of the company because we want to get feedback from the customer as soon as possible so that we can begin the learning. No learning happens in a meeting. No learning happens through consensus, right? No learning happens sitting by yourself, just pondering. Learning happens by applying knowledge and taking action and then measuring the results of that action and then adapting.
0: Yeah. And it's so, I think it's so important. It's tough when you're getting in the you know, in the the daily routine and you're going from internal meeting to internal meeting and then you clear your inbox and then you realize four hours have passed and you haven't done anything productive. So I'm curious, like when you're at your best, you're a learning machine, you're, you're, you know, whatever it is, watching videos, reading books, like what is your process for absorbing that? Um, and then being able to Put that to use. Like, are you taking notes and then revisiting it in a journal of some sort, or like, how do you keep track of everything? Yeah. That
1: you're... Good question. Uh, so yeah, it, it's hard to. I'd say one when it comes to like meetings and having your day kind of ruined by meetings and process and dealing with emails. I take the extreme approach and I say I don't. I don't answer any emails. I don't even look at my email. Right. Like my email is. I can't tell you how many thousands of emails are in my email inbox. That I refused to even read, right? Because uh, I figured out that I was wasting too much of my time being reactive to other people's um, questions or agenda or whatever they had to do. And I wasn't really being productive, right? And being productive was focused on the, the doing and the building and the making, it wasn't on reacting to emails. So I don't answer the uh, emails. I know that's crazy for for a lot of people. And then when it comes to meetings, I try not to have meetings. I end up having a a lot of meetings because I'm interviewing people, especially at Drift. Uh, But I I actually spend a lot of time deflecting meetings. And we have, um, I try to get everyone in the company to do the same. Like if you're in a meeting and you don't have anything to say in this meeting, get up and leave. Like we have that, I've printed that out and I've taped that to every table in every conference room in the in our office, right? Like, leave. Like, do not sit here. Do not have a meeting just for the sake of meeting. Take action, right? And we believe in uh, what, you know, Apple and Steve Jobs would call the DRI principle, which is the directly responsible individual principle, where we don't want consensus. We want someone, uh, it doesn't matter what their title is, to be named responsible for whatever the decision is and for them to make a decision right or wrong and just move on with it and not get lost in it. But when it comes to your question about uh, how do I make sure to apply my learning, right? Uh, for me, it comes in a couple of ways. One is uh, it's repetition. That's why I often have to I reread books uh, different times in, in life because most of what you're reading in books are, I find, is a reminder it's not a discovery. It's not, um, it's not so much that you're looking for these discoveries that you didn't know the right answer. It's a reminder, at least to me, of you know the answer. Your gut is telling you the answer, and maybe you need to hear it for the fifth time in a different way by a different author or a different mentor or a different person for it to get through your thick skull, right? And, I, and that's what I need. And so that's awesome. so, so that, that's what I use. It's kind of a reminder. And I find myself revisiting books and then it happens that I'm in the right context where I could actually apply that. And then I take action immediately and apply that knowledge that I had, but I wasn't using because I needed that reminder and that kick in the kick in the kick in the butt to get going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um I think that's really important and it's something that again, we get lost. Frequently in like the day to day minutia, and trying to think big pictures is important. And, and you mentioned a few minutes ago um, these people being you know a virtual mentor, and it you know you actually put out a video I think yesterday that I was watching when you're in your car and you're talking about Warren Buffett being a virtual mentor of yours, oh, yeah. and uh, you know explaining a you know a story a, a practice that he shared around. Um, you know, how to kind of become a person that you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd, I'd love to hear your take generally on mentors, be it virtually or in person, and, and how you have you leveraged that to, to help you grow.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I really believe in the idea of mentors and role models, and I think they're equally important. Um, I'd say this is one of the lessons that I wish someone would have taught me early on uh, in life. I didn't learn it until uh, much later, probably in my early 30s. And um the importance of, of, of mentors and role models. It turns out that if I look back in time, I had a series of mentors that were instrumental to to my life, uh, but I didn't know they were mentors at the time. I didn't even know. I wasn't even thinking of the word mentor. I don't think uh, I had even people use that word in the business context at that point. But it turned out that, you know, when I was in my probably late teens, you know, like in college age, um, I had my first mentor. His name is Sam Lee, and um, and I worked in a warehouse while I was going to college. And he was the owner of this business, and it was the most unlikely scenario. But I learned so much from him, and he was almost like uh, Sam Walton to me, which is the founder of, uh, of of Walmart, and they had very similarities. And Sam Walton later became a virtual mentor of mine. But um, mentors are so important because of what I said earlier, which is. Hey, we can learn through pain or we can learn through someone else's experience. It's really difficult. That's easy to say. That's a simple concept. It's really difficult to put into practice because our egos get in the way every day. And we all have egos. Don't fool yourself. You have an no. ego. I have an ego. And our egos are fragile. And they don't want to hear the truth often because it's painful. And uh, and because of that, we make the wrong decisions and we let them get in our way and then we learn – from pain. And what I've learned from working with mentors is, and it's taken some time because sometimes they teach me something that many of them have taught me things that it's taken me time to really understand and look back and say, oh, that's what they meant. That's what it meant. They were teaching me this, or this is why I have this habit because I learned it in practice, even though they weren't sitting down and saying, David, this is a lesson that you must learn. Uh, here's the lesson, never make this mistake. They le- They taught me by right. doing, right? And uh, and so I tell everyone, like, you need to have mentors, whether they're physical mentors, and you need to be changing them all the time, which is a whole other subject, uh, or virtual mentors. Virtual mentors are great too. You know, I think when I, when I tell people about mentors, they get stuck and they're like, well, DC, how do I get a mentor? How do I ask a mentor? Uh, how do I get right. them to be? You know, like, we get so stuck and it's like, we just gotta do, man. You gotta do. You gotta take right. action. Like, there's no secret. Right. You know, everyone is it's paralyzed. Yeah. Everyone's paralyzed. It's like, how do I get a mentor? What email should I send a mentor? Is there a template I should use? What would you ask them? Why are you asking me? Right. Just go, go talk to someone. <laughs> like, come on, man. Yeah, You're wasting time. It's, it's funny because
0: yeah, you would think, and I was actually, you know, maybe a year ago thinking like, man, I, you know, I, I'm starting off in my career like I could really use a mentor. And, you know, like, what, how do I say an email to someone that's important and say, Hey, you know, I'm, you know, I'm Tom and I want a mentor and would you be willing to mentor me? And it's like the, when in reality, I look back, you know, after a year and, you know, there's, you know, probably a good, you know, half dozen people that I can you know, say have been really uh, key to my growth, both personally and virtually. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, we never had the conversation, Hey, will you be my mentor? Yep. It's just... It, Trying to spend time with the right people, I think that's really, really, really important. And, you, and you mentioned,
1: it. I think you nailed it. I think that's how. It, I'm sorry to interrupt you, time, uh, but but I think you nailed it because that's how I found mentors. Mentors have not been. I'm actively seeking for a mentor because guess what? Anyone that you want to be a mentor is way too busy and they don't have time to take applications on being a mentor. Right? No matter how promising you are. Or how smart your mom told you you were. They're not taking applications. So what I've done is exactly what you've done. Is like put your head down. Do the work. uh, You know, get a little bit better each day. Do more each day than is asked of you. Which, you know what? Nobody ever told me that. Nobody ever told me that one of the secrets that I had uh, that attracted mentors to me was that I had a positive attitude I was always uh, curious and interested in learning, and I did more work than was asked of me. And no one told me that those were secrets. No one told me that was uh, that. No one told me in school uh, that those things were important. But once you're in the work, in the real world, and you're actually working, and you look around, you will understand how rare those qualities are—to have that combination of qualities—and then a mentor or someone who. Who can can help guide you is going to pick up on that, and they're going to say, "I want to bet on this person, David or Tom or John or whoever or Susie, because they're exceptional. They're not like everyone else, just because they're doing those three things."
0: Yeah, and I think uh, you know tactically something that you know for the listeners that that I've seen work pretty well is like if you if you take what David said in the first twelve minutes about. Um, Always learning and being obsessed with learning. When you read that book or that article or listen to that podcast, you you know what's the one takeaway you got? Yep. It's easy to find their contact info, email them, say, "Hey, you know Jocko Willink. I read your book Extreme Ownership. Love the concept of getting up early, getting after it. Like it was a great read. And
1: that's it. That's it. And then maybe if you build that up over
0: time, right? And if you build that up over time and say, hey. You know, since I read your book a month ago, I've been getting up at 4.45 every day. It's been helpful, whatever. Again, no ask. And you keep kind of building that up. And then at some point, maybe, you know, the best case is he gets back to you and maybe something happens. But at the worst case, he's a virtual mentor that has actually helped you in your life. I love
1: that advice. And it's you're taking action. You're showing initiative. And guess what? Uh, people will think that's way too easy. It doesn't make any sense. They want some secret formula. But no one does that. No one does exactly what you said, which is, uh reach out to someone with no ask and say, hey, thank you. Thank you for putting out that book. That book has had an impact on my life. That's all I have to say. I just want to say thank you. Right? Nobody does that, right? And um, as simple as it is and as common sense as that is, common sense ain't common. Uh, and so that's a, that's a misnomer. Nobody has common sense, including me. And so uh, it's definitely not common.
0: Yeah, and it's it's interesting if you do that enough times, the the magnitude of people that will respond mm-hmm. to you, um, it's actually quite a bit. Oh, really? um, and and so to kind of flip this a little bit, so you've been um, you know involved with building, growing, scaling SaaS companies for you said over twenty yep. years. I'm I'm curious for if you look way back to the, the beginning of your career, um, you know what. What was that like and, and what were you focused on that maybe you wish you would have changed? Because I think a lot of the people that are listening to this aren't necessarily in a position where they're the CEO yeah, of a yeah. SaaS company, but maybe they have aspirations to run their own business someday or at least maybe get that promotion or, or kind of take their game to the next level. Yeah.
1: So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip the, the question a little bit. Instead of wonder stuff that I wouldn't have done, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like double down on things that I did do accidentally. And so, um, you know, if I look back, you know, I'd say early in my career, I didn't have, you know, all the access to information that everyone has now, right? There was no uh I couldn't watch things on YouTube there was no YouTube. There was no um, you know, magazines or articles on Zuckerberg or this person or that person. Like none of that stuff existed. Like entrepreneur was not a thing that was um, held up as something that people wanted to be. And so I didn't have role models. I didn't have these virtual role models. I didn't out there. I didn't have examples. The only books that were out were books about like fortune 100 CEOs at the time that, you know, I couldn't relate to. And so like, you know, what I did was that I will keep doing is I kept doubling down on learning, uh, getting better, doing a little bit more than, than I needed to do every day. And uh, and then I accidentally kept upgrading my surroundings and my and my role models, meaning the people that were around me in my peer groups. I did that accidentally. And if I were to do anything again, I would double down on that because we all know the the we all talk about, you know, being the average of the five people that you're around. And uh, if anything, I think like I underestimated the power of that. I didn't know the power of that. And I, I did it accidentally by, you know, by upgrading my peer group over time, like if you spend all your time, you know, hanging with your boys or your friends or family or people that aren't, don't share your same goals, you know, and you spend all your time at the bar watching the game with your boys, that's what you're going to be in, in 30 years from now. Like the high performance people, whether it's in sports or, or, um, business or what have you that you're, that if you're trying to emulate them, guess what? They're not there. Right, they're off training, they're off getting better, they're off learning. And so, you need to be around those people. I did that accidentally, and I didn't know the power of that. And over time, I kept getting putting myself in new groups of people, and then looking, being able to look around and saying, Wait a second, they don't know anything I don't know. They're not, (laughs) you know, they're not, they don't work harder than I do. They don't have some, there's no secret magic potion. They're not in some secret club, they're not in the Illuminati. Like they're just you know, they're just normal people. Wait a second, I can do this too. And then I then I would all of a sudden remove that limiting belief and then I would start, you know, wor- working to the their average. And then then uh uh you know then I would upgrade again and I do it again and again and then I get to the point where I am now where like all of my friends and peers are people who have started companies who are running public companies who so I now look at them and say, wait a second, I can do that too. And that's why I'm, I'm focused on doing. But I could have never believed that I could do what I'm doing now uh, 20 years ago. But all of you have that ability now. You're listening to this. You have lessons that you can do, uh, that you can learn from. And you can start right now by changing your peer group immediately and continually upgrade that. It's simple to say it's hard to do because uh, you have friends and you want to be loyal and some of them are family. But, like, those are the people... You know, I often say there's cra- this, this kind of metaphor of crabs in the pot. Like if, you're, if you ever boil crabs in a pot like, and one, one crab tries to crawl out of the pot and get out of the pot, the rest of the crabs are going to reach up, drag it back down because they don't want that crab to get out. And it's the same thing happens with if you surround yourself with people who don't share the same goals and wondering like, Tom, why aren't you unhappy? Why are you not content? Why are you, why are you always reading? You changed, man. Why do you want to get better? What are you better than us? Like what you you constantly going to deal with that kind of stuff. And so you need to get that stuff out of your life.
0: Yeah. And I I think it's, well, I I know from experience that that's actually, it's easier said than done, especially I think maybe it's, it's when you're older, but it's definitely tough when you're in your, your mid twenties. And I think that the, by far the majority of people are more focused on, you know, going out, watching the game, you know, having some beers, doing that. And like, uh less so on hey let's read um you know xyz book or you know let's listen to whatever podcast. and um so like were you tactically like when you were that age were you joining like uh like a meetup group of some sort or just like trying to seek out like one person at a time that you thought had those same interests as you or how yeah, did you even did. go about it or maybe hang out with yeah people. i
1: think well i did do that i did hang out with with um kind of the older crew. Um, but I'd say really what happened with me was that uh, I'm, obs- I'm an obsessive personality, if you can't tell uh, so far. I was, obs- uh, you know, this was the yeah. early days. This is prehistory, early days of the internet, commercial internet. And so I became obsessed with the internet because it was a never-ending learning machine right it was unlike a book or a library like it just kept growing exponentially and so I became obsessed with that so much so that I stopped hanging around with uh, a lot of friends and uh, people that I would hang out with go to a bar with you know go to a club all that kind of stuff this is back in New York City and uh, I became obsessed with, the curiosity of learning and wanting to learn how to how this whole thing worked and how did you build a website and how did you build an app and all this kind of stuff. I just went down the rabbit hole so deep that I didn't do it intentionally. I kind of accidentally fell into it just because of my passion for learning. And you know, but I had to deal with all of my friends saying, oh you hey you change. What happened to you? You don't hang out anymore? Are you good too good? What are you doing with that computer all the time? Like you know, like all all the all the things that you could imagine, all your friends saying to you if you were to dive into it. But I didn't care because I was so obsessed with uh, learning this thing and I and trying to figure out. And so that's what happened to me. That was an accidental, wasn't intentional. But there's a way to do it intentionally, and I do do it intentionally now because I, li- you know, I only s- spend time with. Beyond my family, I spend time with people who share the same goals as me because it's too hard to translate, too, too hard to, to kind of communicate the kind of stuff that you're doing when other people have different, different goals in their life. And there's nothing wrong with having different goals, but I'm trying to do something. I'm trying to learn from others. And it's not about hitting the goal for me. It's about learning together and getting better together.
0: Yeah, I love it, man. And um, you know, your one quick thing, and and um, I know we're at about time here, but you know, you you talk about the word obsession a lot, and I think it's a word that people refrain from. And you know, I think one of the best books that I've read in in recent memory was "Be Obsessed or Be Average" mm. from Grant Cardone. I think there's just a lot of truth to that around, like, hey, there's you know, whatever percent, ninety percent of people are fine with with being in that middle tier of. Whatever they want to do, and their, their goals are, are more so focused on yep. socialization or whatever it is. But if you want to be the best at something, you, uh, you absolutely. Have to be I love that. And, and I, I love love that. The that, Uncle G. G. I love
1: that. <laughs> but he's right. You know, you have to be obsessed about it. We think it's weird. Uh, sorry to jump in, but we think it's weird in getting better in this kind of professional context. But if you were to look at an artist, you were to look at a scientist, you were to look at an athlete would you think it's weird that an athlete trains that Kobe Bryant trains all the time that Tom Brady trains all the time? Is that weird? Is it weird that an Olympian has to train every day to get to the Olympics? Everyone would say, of course not. It's not weird. So why would it be weird that you would have to train to get good at whatever it is that you want to get a good at? It's not going to happen through osmosis or magic. It's going to happen the same way through training.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you, you couldn't be more right. It's just a I guess it's just a stereotype that people have where it's, you know, business or sales or whatever versus, you know, an athlete. But um, so before we we wrap this thing up, um, I know that you guys over at Drift, just from what I see on social media, I mean, you guys are doing things in a completely, it seems like a revolutionary way where the culture seems amazing. You know, you're giving away, you know, all of your, Mm -hmm. your quote unquote secrets like via your marketing out in the public. I know you guys have, Hypergrowth growth conference coming up, uh, towards September of this year. So want to let you just kind of riff on that for a second and then also let us know where we can find you, uh, on social media. Before. Great.
1: Uh, thank you for that. So we, on social media, you can find me at D cancel that's D C A N C E L or drift D R I F T on, on Twitter or on Instagram or on Facebook or any of those things. And, um, we are having a conference this year. Last year we had our first conference. It was called Hypergrove. Uh, we I set an audacious goal of getting a thousand people there. We had fourteen hundred people register and come to Boston uh, from all over the world. I mean, people from Norway and Italy, and of course the U all over the U.S. and South America. And I was just blown away. And that was largely came through our community of our podcast called Seeking Wisdom. And then this year I said I want to up them goals. And so our goals this year is the to get our goal is to get 4,500 people to hypergrowth in September, which is insane, wow. and uh, and we are going to split it among two cities: Boston, uh, September 4th, and September 24th uh, in San Francisco. Right, the week of, kind of kicking off the week of uh, Dreamforce, which is a conference that Salesforce throws. So if you happen to be in town for that or in in Boston, please join us, come to HyperGrowth. And what we do at HyperGrowth is try to build something that's totally different. It's all about what we're talking about here, learning, getting better. We're going to have top sales and marketing pros be there, but we don't want this to be a normal conference. We don't have booths. We don't have badges. We don't have any of that Stuff that people hate. What we have is like-minded people coming together, and wanting to learn. And while we have sales and marketing pros, the best out there talking, most of the day is hearing from people from the military, hearing people from who are Olympic athletes, hearing people who are have built amazing businesses or brands on their own, personal brands. It's about people who have, you know, like gone and done things that are amazing. Uh, and built amazing brands and not just about sales and marketing content. And so it's a fun, it's almost like a festival. It's almost like South by Southwest kind of feeling. So I invite all, you all to come and be there. And in terms of giving away our secrets, I think what you know what we're doing is, you know, I've been in this sales and marketing world a long time building software and you know, I stepped back and I and I and said what makes sense like for the normal person. How can I explain this because we've gotten so lost in Sales sequencing, marketing automation, this CRM tools, plugins, blah, 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 this kind of stuff. And I built all of that stuff in the past. Um, But then I step back and say, what does it make sense for the customer? Like, what's the best experience for the company? Like, let's build software that kind of rethinks all of this stuff. Because even something as simple as CRM, if you were to explain it to your mom or a friend or whatever, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it, it actually makes no sense. It's actually crazy. To say like, hey, yeah, I spend all my time putting metadata about an activity or a conversation into this thing that I hand put into this database, and then we build reports on top of it. But no one who puts the data in is incented to want to put the data in, because it, it's it's not what they should be focused on, and bad things usually happen to them in, in the case of sales managers when they do put it in, and so they and then we build a whole system around this kind of system. When instead we say, why don't we actually track the actual activity? Why don't we actually track the actual conversation? Why are we building a whole database of metadata that describes the conversation of the activity? But none of that stuff is actually in this thing, right? Like Those are the kind of things, and it's not only CRM, it's everything in the marketing and sales that we're trying to rethink like a normal person and say, does this even actually make any sense anymore, uh, because we've just gotten lost on well that's the way to do it and it's conventional wisdom, and I think by now you probably know how I feel about conventional wisdom
0: well i I love it man and and for everyone listening, um, a few things i mean you know i'm I'm from the Boston area, but now in San Francisco, so you pick two great cities. It sounds like a great event uh, i I myself will probably try to check out the one in San Francisco coming up um, later this year and um to to everyone out there i would I would highly suggest following. DC and anyone else at drift on social media, because what they are doing is, is incredible. They're flipping a lot of things that you wouldn't think about on their head and, and trying to do it a different way. Um, so give them a follow, give them a look and in DC, any last words,
1: just keep learning, get better. And please help teach me something. Send me some, send, send me something, teach me something.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening to our interview with David cancel. If you'd like to support the TR Talk podcast, you can head over to the iTunes app, give us a five-star rating, subscribe, share us out on social media. Right now we have 66 five-star reviews. We really hope that you can be the 67th. As always, this is Tommy Tahoe Alemo alongside Ryan Warner for TR Talk podcast.
1: Out.